Well, hello, theater lovers. It's Black Friday, and don't you worry, Sarnia Famous has an excellent deal available. Today, you can buy a t-shirt for the low, low price of $25 to $30, depending on your size. And not only will you receive said super spiffy exclusive t-shirt, you will also receive the warm glow of altruism from supporting Theater Sarnia's youth group. Please send your inquiries and orders to sarniafamous at gmail.com. Today's guest, Mr. Dave Evans, tells us how coming from a family of performers and musicians has influenced his own theatre career. In fact, he opens up on losing a loved one suddenly and how theatre became tonic for the soul during that time. We also chat about how classic theatre productions could benefit from gender bending and the importance of being kind to one another on stage and off, as you never know what other people are going through. On with the show. Okay, so welcome. Mr. Hello. Mr. Dave Evans to Sarnia Famous. That's a bold statement. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> I am so glad you could join me. So how we know each other, uh, we worked just a little bit together on Wizard of Oz. Correct. Yeah, so this is a this is an opportunity for me to kind of chat with you and get to know a little more about you and your theater history. So word on the street is you're kind of a spectacular tap dancer. Oh, well, that would be the biggest lie you've ever heard. <laughs> Quite honestly, back in the day, now this is going to date myself here, but back in the day, uh, St. Benedict's School, where I was in grade school here in Sarnia, was very well known for putting on a musical every year. It was, in fact, where I first got my stage debut when I was nine years old. We did one play one year. It was called Oklahoma. You may have heard of it. And I played the role of Will Parker. And in the play, if you know it, he comes back to Oklahoma from Kansas City where everything is up to date. And in the number, he breaks into a tap routine, a big dance thing. And what was really cool about it, it was our school had hired a tap teacher. He came in and taught me how to do the tapping and stuff. And I didn't tell my parents, and they put little tap things on the front of my cowboy boots. <laughs> and so when you're nine, you're like a sponge. You pick things up very quickly. So I did what I was given. I wasn't nine, sorry, I might've been maybe 11. When you're a kid, I was taught to do a tap routine and I didn't tell my parents. And one of my fondest stage memories is sitting in the theater with my parents, being able to see my parents' faces and breaking into that tap number. And uh, just the look on their faces as their eyes slowly widened <laughs> and their jaws dropped. And uh, they had no, idea that I was going to do that and uh, so that's a really really fond memory that was the one and only time I ever did tap on stage until Dan White cast me in Spamalot here at Theatre Cernia and there's a rather large number where the Knights of the Round Table break into a, a large tap number and uh, my unfortunately then 40 something year old, old brain couldn't remember my, <laughs> my 11 year old dance steps but we had to learn. We had a very patient choreography, Bethany Teagues, as many people know her. And it caused me a great deal of stress because, you know, I got a big head, I'm top heavy. It was hard to coordinate my feet and everything. And we, uh, I was I was under uh, a great deal of stress. I didn't want to let everyone down on stage or, or look bad. You know, you never want to look bad on stage. Credit where credit's due. Bethany was super patient. She took one or two of us aside who came to her and said, look, we're really struggling with this. And she was very happy to um, take extra time with us. And uh, she was very patient. God bless her for that. And uh, she taught us a few little tricks that made it look like we were doing 
more than we were. I don't know if I should tell her that's kind of like a stage secret, <laughs> but she was wonderful. Um, and then by opening night, when we hit the stage and broke into the big the Knights of the Round Table top dancing uh, number for uh, Always Luck on the Bright Side of Life, we broke into the tap. We were all doing our parts, opening and closing umbrellas and twirling umbrellas and soft chewing and tapping. And the minute we finished the tap and the audience erupted into cheers, like actual cheers, I knew we pulled it off. Yeah. Right? Here's a stage secret. She said, always give them a big, pardon my language, can I say a bad word on this? A big shitting grin, because that's the audience going to be looking at your face and your upper body as you do your number. Um, but we tapped. We, we, we pulled it off, and it was wonderful. But I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm a tap dancing. I'm no, I'm no Fred Astaire. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave that to the fully trained professionals. Much more talented people who can tap dance on stage than myself. So... <laughs> I mean, I think there's a there's a lot to be said when you can be modest about something. So I imagine you're probably a heck of a lot better than you give yourself credit for. Oh, did you see? Did you see Spamalot? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. We pulled it off. I actually, I've I watched the DVD. We, we, I've watched some footage of it, and uh, I'm like, oh man, we actually look all right. We're all moving in unison and everything else, and uh, we pulled it off. But thank you for saying that. There was a lot of hard work, and, and I'm not gonna. There was much sweat, and I'm not gonna be so immodest as to say maybe a few tears. Um, <laughs> Stress induced when I came home from rehearsal. Like, what yeah. the hell am I doing? Maybe <laughs> what I is happening? Maybe I could ask to not be in this number. But, <laughs> but as I said, patient director, patient choreographer, and it was a lot of fun. That was it was as a, as a performer on stage. It was really gratifying to hear the applause and uh, and the cheers and everything when we pulled it off. Because for an amateur theater group, almost all of whom hadn't had tap dancing lessons, it was fairly impressive, and I'm very proud of the cast. And, uh, and everyone involved in that because it was super duper fun. That's actually one of the most fun I've ever had on stage. Was the tap dance was was Spam a lot in general? Yeah. Do you want to tell me more about that? Was there other moments? Maybe do a little well, reminiscing. Well, I've in my tenure at Theater Cerny, I've pretty much just done musical theater, most of which have had a much opportunity for comedy. And so it's, there's a, a, a you you know your feeling on stage when you were the witch and people would gasp and you could get the you could hear the kids kind of like oh and stuff. It's a neat feeling to make that connection with the audience, be it to make them feel sadness if you're doing a, a serious play or to touch their heart or to make them laugh. For me, I'm a bit of a comedian. You may have noticed when we were in rehearsals, I like making people laugh and, and really enjoy their time during rehearsal and just being a bit of a character off stage as well as on. And so I love making that connection with an audience when you can kind of steal them away from their day and take them somewhere else and make them laugh or, you know, just pull them out of their everyday dreary Sarnia world and kind of put them somewhere else, be it a Python-esque medieval England or Merry Little Land of Oz. It's that, that's fun. Spamalot was a, a great opportunity. I hadn't been on stage in many, many years. Karaoke stages don't count. And I was really excited. Um, I'm going to get a little sad here for two seconds, but it's okay. got a wonderful it's got a wonderful little ending to it. I was really excited about Spamalot. Um, it's one of my favorite musicals, if not my favorite musical. Uh, a lot of my friends were going to be involved and were auditioning anyway, and I was very, very excited to... Um, to audition and stuff and the day before auditions my mom passed away suddenly and um so needless to say um i didn't go to the auditions and at, at the auditions dan the director was like to some of my friends there like where's dave he was like super excited about this he really was like I told him what happened and dan was so kind and he reached out to me 
and said, listen, I'm so sorry what happened. You know, you've got all my love and everything else. Let me know if you need anything. He goes, but I really would love it if you could be involved in the show. He goes, would, would you be interested in being my assistant stage director? You won't have to answer now. Of course, you know, think about it. You know, just let me know. We've got weeks before rehearsal start kind of thing. And I immediately responded, yes, please. <laughs> Because I really wanted to be involved. And so we went to the first rehearsal. I believe memory serves me right. Gord Bristow was going to be our stage director. I let them know I'd never done any assistant stage directing. Anyway. I've always been on the stage and not behind the scenes. But I was eager to learn. And I really wanted to be involved in production. And Dan said, you know, maybe we'll try to sneak you up on stage. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know, whatever. So I had there, I had my notepad out, my clipboard. Or, you know, uh, we had kind of introduced the cast. Had a bit of a read-through kind of thing, everything else. And, and the next rehearsal, we started doing some blocking for the infamous fish slapping dance the finish fish slapping dance and dance like dave why don't you jump up there join dave why don't you go up there and do this one and over the course of the next two or three rehearsals um i realized that i wasn't going to be the assistant stage director because he kept just putting me in more and more scenes and within a few rehearsals heather had replaced me as assistant stage director she's a very talented she was at the time a very talented young high school student who was involved with a lot of stuff at theater at skits heather Lorge, and um she's now in uh film directing school she's at film school in toronto if memory serves me right so good for her hi heather so needless to say i kind of segued out of that to being on the stage into multiple parts including multiple speaking roles and some very juicy plum like plum ones um that got lots and lots of laughs from the audience which was to be quite honest, in that really sad and trying time, was like tonic for my soul. And I little coded to that story. Um, the play was a big success. I think we sold out every night. The audiences were left in stitches. We had lots of fun improv at the end of the, every play and all sorts of goofing with the audience and stuff. And dance a little tradition where he gives everyone a little card with a, a little personal note. And he wrote, I can't remember, I have it packed away somewhere, but he wrote a little note saying, Dave, I know... This play came along at a very difficult time in your life, but I couldn't imagine. Um, I'm so glad you could be part of this. I, I'm paraphrasing here, so forgive me, Dan. I'm sorry if I'm going to ruin your uh, your crusty image, but uh, I love you. And it's something along the lines of, uh, I couldn't imagine doing this play without you. Uh, I know how excited you're about it. I'm so glad we were able to be here for you, just as you were able to be here for us. P.S. You're the world's shittiest stage assistant stage director. <laughs> <laughs> Which is typical for the sense of humor. It made me laugh, but it was a, such, a, such a tonic for my soul at a time when I needed it. So I kind of always like to kind of be that same kind of tonic. You never know what people come into that theater, the lights go down, they could be struggling with their own health problems or the health problems of others, stress at work, familial stress, all sorts of things, financial stress. So for two or three hours, if you can take them out of that, transport them somewhere else and let them forget for a little while how rubbish life can be sometimes, then, uh, then as performers, we've succeeded in something, right? So that's my sad but really funny and wonderful story. So Monty Python has always been medicine for me. So are you crying? Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're only listening to this, Dallas is crying. Yeah. Damn it, Dave, don't tell. <laughs> Oh my that's God, uh, you know I'm, I'm a little teary-eyed myself because it's, it's, it's a wonderful 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 memory if not my fondest one of my fondest um stage memories so thank you dan for the opportunity okay now i'm crying damn it i wasn't, I wasn't ready for this for nine o'clock in the morning Dallas. No, i haven't even had a cup of coffee <laughs> you're just like how could i not my goodness well you've got you know such what? sincerity and kindness in your eyes and your talking about your mama and i am very close with my mama so like um yeah and i haven't had a cup of coffee so 
what, what's a girl? I'm on do? my second cup of Earl Grey. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just thinking, oh. as you were saying all of those wonderful things, like how incredible community theater is in that, you know, not only were you noticed when you weren't there, you were brought in to the play in in a soft way and then gradually encouraged to get onto the stage to bring yeah. that comedy which was where he belonged. Also resonates with me so profusely when you say it, tonic for the soul. I would never have thought of that phrase, but it's perfect because it's it's so true. Yeah. For both sides, it's reciprocal. The 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 people on the stage and the people in the audience definitely benefit in in a multitude of ways. That was a very yeah. powerful I, statement. Not bad, not bad for nine o'clock in the morning. I guess. I know. Like <laughs> maybe we should have scheduled this for in the afternoon. <laughs> No. Yeah. All right. Well, that was that was fun. So, <laughs> so I'll just change the subject. Um, another thing yeah, that struck ahead. me. I think. Are you wearing a clada? I am wearing a clada. So are you Irish? I was born and raised in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Get out of here! I'm hiding my accent. Well. Oh my God! Don't hide that. Yeah. It's funny, when I, my, my brother Neil is the first member of our family not born in Canada, or not born in Ireland, I beg your pardon. So he kind of laughs because when I go back home to visit and stuff, my accent just kind of comes back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, or, or uh, to be fair, sometimes I've had a few, a few pints, it'll just sneak in. I still use little turns of phrase, like I still call the trunk of the car the boot and things like that. And I never, I'll never change that. Those are just tattooed Please in don't. my Please don't. DNA. Stick that in the boot. I say that all the time. People look at me like I've got two heads. <laughs> yeah, so, and uh, I came over here in the late 70s during the height of the, the Troubles in Northern Ireland. I'm sure you've heard of them. It was a very exciting time to grow up in Ireland, and I use the term exciting loosely. But it's kind of funny. My family, were all kind of performers, a lot of us in our own way. What Some of my earliest childhood memories are seeing my mother on stage in oh, Belfast. Wow. So my mom did a lot of theater when she was younger. In her 20s and so I, my dad used to bring me as a, a toddler almost He'd sit in the back of the theater and watch during dress rehearsals or you know things like that and a really funny story is they decided to graduate from the dress rehearsals and take me to an actual performance you know they had me well fed well napped i was gonna <laughs> behave we're sitting in the theater and the lights are out the play is performing and it was a play written by an irish playwright i wish i could remember the guy's name it's lost to the mists of memory but it was it was said during the troubles it was a very contemporary play and in the play my mother's boyfriend the actor who played my mother's boyfriend comes in after an altercation of sorts and he's covered in blood and my mom is all distressed and she's screaming and crying well to like a four or five year old you can't really wrap your head around that because that's still your mom on stage and I went mental in the audience. My dad had to like pick me up, run me under with his under his arm, and run me like a football player to the back <laughs> of the theater. You know, one of my earliest childhood theater memories was that. But my mom was a performer. My dad was an amazing singer. My dad was unreal. He used to love going to karaoke because he'd do something silly. We used to go to karaoke and he'd do something silly like Tom Jones and that, you know, and have everyone <laughs> pop away, right? And then he would do something. He loved to do, I know it's a bit cliche from an Irishman, but he always used to do like Danny Boy. And there were times when people would be reduced to tears. Uh, yeah. In the pub or whatever, as he did Danny Boy. So I guess I get the sides of performing from both of them. My brother is a multi-talented, like multi-instrumental musician. He plays his band still recording and doing stuff and even though they're all married with kids now and stuff but back in the day he opened for weezer oh my so, word I mean, 
checking out on Spotify action figures. Anyways, little plug. Um, <laughs> Just a little plug there. <laughs> yeah, my I got my uncle. My uncle was uh, my uncle and I my dad's brother. I had was in a band, had a, had albums out. My cousin, his son, was in a band in Ireland, had albums out. So wow. we, we just come from a family of musicians and performers. It's kind of in our DNA. But to be fair, you can almost say that about any Irish family, because you know the we're we're told we're we're storytellers and, and singers and performers and stuff. So I don't know if that's a cultural thing or if it's just something that we love to do. But in our family, anyway, that's very much the case. Yeah, and I've got other cousins and stuff who are also musicians and, and all sorts of things like that. So we come from a family of that, I guess. And the apple didn't fall too far from the tree, so it's uh, kind of fun to be part of. I love I love people looking at me. You know, <laughs> I, love, I love being the center of attention. I don't know if it's like my own, I don't know, lack of self-esteem or something, but hey, look at me! <laughs> but no, but I love to make people laugh. I, I really do. I've noted I have a bit of a dark sense of humor, so in the midst of dark or trying times, I always tend to skew dark, which sometimes makes people gasp but then also but also makes them laugh and they kind of you like to find the humor in terrible situations i'm just talking away here blah, blah, blah. that's what we're here for i guess after everything the irish have been through we're supposed to have dark senses of humor well, right how else, yeah. we, how else can we have anything but but speaking of butt, once cat has yeah, got her little butt like, in my butt face butt she's very me. very needy and if i put her out of the room there's a lot of um she throws her body against the door to be a part of the interview but yeah no i think i've got irish on my mom's side and definitely the dark, macabre, sarcastic sense of humor is definitely yeah. a coping mechanism that I have as well. I mean, I, I don't have much of a self-esteem, and but I love being on stage too. And it's different like as soon as you're actually on the stage and the lights go down and, you know, you're immersed. I have to agree with you on a lot of levels there. So then going back to spam a lot, do you think that you would ever go into, or perhaps you have, and I... I'm not aware of it. Go back into stage managing. You know what? I've always I've always wanted to learn everything. I have always been one of those people who, when I've been in a production, um, I've never seen any single person in that production, be it from someone um, who's, and I hate to say just doing props because it's an intensive, crazy job sometimes, but someone who's doing props, to someone who's a choreographer, to someone who's a performer on stage, be they in a chorus or be they the main actor or the lighting design guy or the set builders. I've always been one of those guys where um, I don't think any one person is above or below the other. Every single person involved in a production is an integral cog in that machine. One of those cogs aren't working well, then the entire production is out of whack. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always had very little tolerance for people who think they're above or better than anyone. Fortunately, um, I've had not a ton of experience with that. People in Sarnia, for the most part, are pretty great. We're an amazing team. We all really, like, for the most part, build each other up with the community and community theater. But yeah, so I've always been very interested in all those other things. I've just never had the opportunity to, because every for you, you probably saw that for the last few years before COVID hit, I was literally leaping from production to production to production to production and it was uh it was fun and exhilarating and exhausting you know and i went from playing as you like as i said there i went from playing like hi i'm a dancing fork <laughs> i got a funny story about that one too can i talk about my funny story yes, about the please. so i was in ireland and i get a message from the talented and lovely frank brennan who was the music director for the upcoming beauty and the beast and he's messaged me and he's like hey dave how's things and i'm like 
everything's good, Frank. And Frank doesn't message me very often. So I was a little, is everything okay? Like, that's, that's where my mind goes originally. Is everything okay? Like, is everybody assuming me bad news? And I said, I'm in Ireland. What's up? He goes, oh, I didn't know you were in Ireland. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just visiting family and stuff. He said, well, I won't keep you. He goes, but listen, I want you to think about this. We, uh, we're going to be working on Beauty and the Beast. And I was telling Janet Andrea, the director and assistant director, of how great you were to work with in, I guess, I think it was Spam a lot. How fun you are, blah, blah, blah. And they're very interested in meeting when you come back. We've already had auditions, but we would very like to meet you. We'd like, I'm like, I just, I point blank responded with, you didn't get enough guys to audition, did you, Frank? Saw <laughs> <laughs> right through it. <laughs> right? And he was, and he was, he was like, well, yeah, we got guys, but we could do with one or two more. And you've got a good baritone voice and you're a good singer. And, uh, and I said, I'm back in a week and a half. Let me think about it. And I'll shoot you a message when I get home. Fair, right? So, I get up the next morning and I'm having my tea with my aunt. I got Facebook open and I'm showing her photos of you know things back in Cerny and whatnot. And Peter Cerny made an announcement. You know, we'd like to announce the cast of Beauty and the Beast. Mike's the Beast, and you know Nick is going to be Lumiere and uh, blah, blah blah. And here's the here's the chorus. Blah blah blah. David Evans, you're on there. <laughs> Decision's been made. <laughs> God, what? Right. So I went to that for I came home from the Canada, I went to that first rehearsal going, like, what the hell? I can't even audition for this. So <laughs> That's two Cerny productions. The first being Spamalot, this follow-up literally right after beating the beast that I did an audition for. I don't know. I thought only people like Meryl Streep and <laughs> Dustin Hoffman didn't have to do that, but apparently it was funny. And I went in and it was a, a great, great experience. Jan and Andrea are lovely our director and director and stuff. We had a very diverse cast age-wise. We had lots of kids in it. And I love working with kids. Yeah. WC Field said never work with kids and pets. But every play I've worked in that we've had like dogs and lots of kids um, have been an utter joy. I like being there as one that the kids kind of have fun with, right? I'm kind of, I sometimes get to, I sometimes turn into the kitty wrangler and, and have fun with the kids. And we, I always, I've had a few parents say to me, oh, what grade do you teach? Oh. I'm not a teacher. Why would I, what makes you think that? They're like, oh, you're just so great with the kids. The kids love you. They look up to you. You've got the demeanor and like that that ability with kids. We thought we just assumed you were a teacher, which is a huge compliment. Yeah. I've been teaching a wonderful profession. I, I've often regretted not going into that field, ironically. So um, it's never too late. Uh, yes, it is. No. Um, <laughs> So I love working with kids and stuff. And the play itself, Being a Beast, was super fun. When it all came together at the end with the sets and the amazing costumes. And then all the special effects that we had with transformations and rotating tower turrets. And Trevor almost falling to his doom as, as Gaston every night. And, oh. and that gasps and shouts from the audience during Be My Guest when all the, the confetti fireworks went off. I'll never forget that because that was the first night we did that in front of a live audience. There's a huge bang at the crescendo of the finale of Be My Guest. As we go into that final slow down key change denouement of the song. And the first night when the bang and all the confetti showers over the first like 10 rows of the audience. And everyone kind of screams because they're not expecting it. They realize what's happening. And the crowd dissolves into laughter and cheers. like, And it's just this. And we're all up there. I'm a, I'm a fork and I'm doing a can can, <laughs> right? I'm doing a can can, and uh, it was uh, it was just a moment of pure joy. That's literally what it was, right? And again, it's it's that let's bring the people to somewhere they've never been. I mean, let's bring the people to this enchanted castle in the woods, and you know, it was a joy for you know you'd see elderly people in the audience. We were always afraid we were going to give them a bit of a heart attack, but nobody died. Um, <laughs> just to see the joy and the wonder on their faces. 
as well as the joy and the wonder on kids' faces and the, and the audience and stuff. And uh, man, what a fun cast. You were talking about Talia earlier. If you ever get her to talk, get her to tell you about right before the opening scene every day, we did a performance. She played my daughter in that opening scene, and I'm chasing her around town as her and her sisters are misbehaving in that big opening French village number. We would try to make each other laugh seconds before we had to hit the stage. We'd say silly things or do things so that we were like kind of like, you know, laughing as we hit the stage and stuff and it was fun talia's a joy to work she's one of my favorite little humans she's a little anymore she's a university she's, first out now, yeah but, i am um, she is so talented she's so talented i actually did have an interview with her and i wish i would have known about this because i could have asked her yeah. but she yeah she's such a talented kid in the episode she's reading poetry to me and you know her little face is just so bright and full of potential and life and yeah she's going far that girl absolutely absolutely even just looking at her schedule with school was like yeah oh, that looks so freaking cool and she's learning a lot of it from home she's telling me about tap dancing from home I, I can't imagine kids right now especially it's... theater kids during the times of covid like how do you so much of theater is interacting with your peers on stage you feed off each other emotionally you feed off each other for cues and dialogue you feed off each other just mm -hmm. in a million different it's this big symbiotic thing when you're on stage and to not have access to that human proximity must be so challenging I would think yeah. so. But they she just appeared as though, well, it's just the norm now. It's no big deal. Like, just kind of water yeah. off a duck's back, adapting to it, which the power of youth, I believe, right there. Um, but it will be a very different world for them. And she was telling me about how they're they're doing a lot of focusing on, on video auditions and stuff like that. So, yeah. in a way, it will be an extra advantage that that generation will have in the theater yeah. community. As long as they look at it that way, I'm sure. Yeah, she's yeah. A, a talented little kid. There's definitely a, a soft spot in my heart for that little one. She's one of my faves, too. So, like, I know we had a dog in Wiz. Have you worked yeah. with other animals? Heck yeah. We, I, for some reason, my plays all seem to have dogs in them. Okay. Um, yeah, we did Oliver. So we had oh. a big bulldog in Oliver. Bill Sykes had a big bulldog. And he was the loveliest big softy thing. He passed away suddenly and we were very, it's after the play. We were a little sad, but um, he was a joy. He was just a big suck. And he just loved getting his belly rubbed and stuff oh. like that. But he was great on stage. He was, you know, none of these dogs are trained dogs. These are like the dogs of cast members <laughs> and friends of the theater kind of thing. So they were, of course, over the course of the rehearsals, kind of trained to do the things they needed to do and stuff. But for untrained, unprofessional stage animals, they were all wonderful. And as I said, WC Fields never work with kids and animals, because sometimes animals just decide that they're going to do their own thing. Yeah. We had uh, two beautiful dogs that played uh, the neighbor's hounds in a Christmas story. And they were basically trained. Their owner was on one side of the stage, basically just run across stage and chase Nick across the stage. And they almost did it flawlessly every time. If memory serves me right, I may be wrong, but I'm fairly certain I'm right. I was probably backstage changing costumes at the time, so I didn't actually witness it. But I, I, I think that at one point during one of our school shows, we were doing a school performance during the day for a few different schools, a bunch of school kids in the audience. And I think one of the dogs decided he wanted to go play with the kids and ran out into the, the first few rows of the audience. <laughs> Much to the joy and laughter of the kids. Yeah, they must um, have loved it. They loved it. But, and I may be wrong on that, but I think I remember that happening. Um, and he was wrangled quickly and got backstage and stuff. But the, the pets have been great. It's been neat to work with the animals and stuff. And it brings in a, a whole other level to our performances in theater, Sarnia. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you don't, in a community theater, you don't see a lot of plays where there's like live animals and things like that. Usually, 
unfortunately have to kind of tailor your place due to budgetary reasons mm. or just lack of lack of animals available or things like that there's a million things in community theater that you we wouldn't see live actions and you kind of or live animals and you have to kind of make concessions for that but we've been blessed because we've had a, a few wonderful a wonderful furry friends to join us on stage and uh, it's, it, it brings a again another dimension another level of professionalism to an otherwise because community theater you're often kind of oh it's just a community but uh, i think we're blessed in cerny we are blessed with a dearth of unbelievably talented men and women and kids and i guess dogs um <laughs> who uh, really are you know some have gone to theater school and are working here in town now and but most most of us haven't and uh, it's really great to have been blessed to share the stage of people that I get blown away with on a regular basis. Just like, I can't believe this person's this great. The level of professionalism they bring to it, and of course, talent. And there's been numerous times when we did Oliver, which was one of my dream roles. It was a dream I always wanted to play. And when the amazing and late Anthony Fraclanza cast me as in the role of Fagin, because I'm not what you would look at as Fagin normally. He's usually played as kind of a weaselly, wizened old street beggary type guy, skinny and rat-like in appearance and I'm not um, when I had my Fagin costume on and I grew my beard really long for the role everyone kept making me say you're a wizard Ari <laughs> like Hagrid from the Harry Potter period <laughs> and I did Ron Moody in Fagin um, and Oliver but Anthony saw me in the role and, and was very gracious to cast me and that was a dream role for me because my very first time I ever performed in a play on stage I was nine years old, and it was Bill Morkin, the principal at St. Ben's, uh, who I love dearly. He he cast me as Oliver. And it was my first stage role, and I was like this lead in the play. I was nine years old, and it was my first time ever on stage. And it was not a minor role, and it was kind of where I kind of like the seeds were swung from my love of performing and being on stage for that. And in fact, in the Oliver program, I thank him here at Theatre Sarnia yeah. when we met. So that was, it was really cool. So that's the kind of come full circle from going from playing Oliver to playing Fagin was kind of a little bit of a dream for me. I don't know if, I don't know if I'll ever top that. That was almost, and that play was important to me for a number of reasons. I made some of the best friends of my life there. People I hang out with on a multiple times a week basis, right? And that's, again, the joy of community theater. You meet a lot of like-minded people and you realize how much we have in common and everything else and uh yeah so yeah it's great so oliver oliver has a <clears throat> soft spot for me too so that was fun but yeah so i was gonna ask you what your your dream roles would be so but maybe we've covered that already okay let's see so Megan was absolutely a dream role. We did the producers, and I was very lucky uh, to be cast as Max Bialystok in that, which was uh, nerve-wracking and terrifying because there's so much weight put on that role. And you're following in the shoes of, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but Nathan Lane. Um, so that was uh, a take on the role that he played with such um, vigor and humor and ridiculousness was, was challenging, but it was also a crazy performance that the audiences loved, and that was great. So I've been very lucky lucky to be able to have been cast in roles that I really that I really really wanted I'm just trying to think of other other roles that I haven't played but too old for Evan Hansen just kidding uh <laughs> I would I, I think we did the Wizard of Oz which was really fun I've often thought it would be really fun to do like a gender swapped version yeah. of 
Wizard of Oz. Take a play that's traditionally done in a very traditional way and like twist it. I think I remember asking, was it Bethany, about that. And she had taught me that there was actually like rules in the script when you get the rights that you're you're forbidden (laughs) from casting for, for doing that very same thing. Uh, which I thought, yeah, which I thought, I think it was Bethany that told me that, yeah. which I thought was interesting. So they're protecting that legacy, I guess, is the yeah. idea behind it. But I, I agree. I think there's a, a multitude of classical plays that would benefit from a gender rever- gender reversal, especially in the culture today where gender is becoming so fluid and evolving so quickly. I think it would be very poignant. We're all used to seeing a lot of these classic characters a certain way, right? We're used to seeing like the cowardly lion act like the cowardly lion and mm-hmm. stuff. Oh my goodness, how great was Richard. But uh, it would be neat to see like a woman take embody that role or, you know, have a male Dorothy, a young farm boy getting pulled into this world, things like that. Just to kind of twist it around. It's Dorothy, it's Richard or like, you know, you know yeah, twist it around. And But um, as far as dream roles, the thing I haven't done in like in a long time, like since I was in high school, is anything serious. And I think I'd be up for the challenge, but I, in my heart, I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much. I'm just saying that I might really enjoy doing a serious role or I'm bringing some, some heaviness and pathos or something to the table yeah. like that. But I just know that in my heart, I enjoy making people laugh. Mm-hmm. I enjoy making people smile and you bring the wonder of a song to the state. But, uh, and we've, again, we've been blessed with some amazing dramatic performances here in Sarnia through Diversion Entertainment um, and through Theatre Sarnia and some of the stuff we've seen in the last decade. Um, Some of the finest dramatic performances, productions that I think would hold up in Toronto or or New York or anywhere on a major stage. I'm not saying that lightly. We are, they were gobsmackingly good. As I was saying earlier, we were blessed, how blessed we are with so many talented people. Uh, When we did Oliver, I'm sorry, I'm going all over the place. No, please, I am here. I'm here for it. That's my ADHD kicking in. I'm following right along. That's my ADHD. Have I stopped and looked at something shiny at my window here? I apologize. (laughs) But um, when we finished Oliver one night, it's a bit of a tradition most of the time where the cast goes out into the lobby and meets the patrons who share their time with us. Right. And we you meet friends and family out there. And, and I had a, I had an elderly lady come up to me in the theater. I was dressed in my full Fagan regalia, which uh, was like six layers deep of clothing. It was an amazing costume. It really helped me kind of carry the role. But it was also unbelievably hot. <laughs> I, I would like I would take my shirt off when I got to the bottom layer at the end of the night and go to the bathroom and wring it out over the sink. Yeah, it was like that for real. We were afraid my mic would short out. Oh. That was just like because I had the mic pack under the things and it was like, oh I think that I think that happened to Richard a few times in Wizard of Oz, didn't it? I he had some so. mic issues with that plastic bag that I think so, yeah. Stuff. Um sorry, this old older lady comes to me in the audience and she put her arms around me, sweaty and all. And she goes, That was so wonderful. She was probably in her eighties. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. She was so where are you all off to next? I was like, home to bed. Why do you ask? <laughs> she ready right? to party with you guys or what? No, no. And I and she goes, No, no, I mean what city are you performing oh, in next? Oh, oh my god. And I was goodness. like, Oh my goodness. I said, Oh my said, No, I said, No, we're all from Sarnia, ma'am. Like we're all we all live here. Wow. She's like, No, you're not. I said, Absolutely we are. I said, Yeah, we're all from Sarnia. This is just we're all friends from Sarnia putting on a show for you guys. And she's like, I can't believe you're all from Sarnia. She was, that was not like something I'd expect to see in Sarnia, which was the highest, the highest form of compliment. And that, and we heard that often, Mm -hmm. like people come up to see us. I wasn't in Rock of Ages, but I had multiple people. I had lots of friends in the cast. I remember milling about in the lobby afterwards. I heard people saying to each other and to the cast members, 
We saw this in Toronto. You guys knocked it out of the park. You were, you were better than the show we saw in Toronto. Oh, you wow. guys were, and they weren't just saying that. No, they were sincere. And we've heard that about a few of our productions. Um, Evil Dead. We did Evil Dead oh, the Musical, yeah. which was a hoot. I, uh, I did step out of my milieu there. I helped Ruth and, and Becky produce that one a bit. So I did some production stuff, producer stuff behind the, behind the sets. Sorry. And what an amazing show that was. Ridiculously over the top. We had an amazing set built by Norm Francoeur and his and his team that was almost like a Muppet Show set because during the climax of the play, things would spin on the wall and you know there's a big moose head that would start singing and talking and the whole set was animated. There was like multiple people pulling levers and turning wires to make this haunted cabin come to life and easily one of the best sets i've ever seen on on a theater starting stage kudos to norm and his team but it was a fun play uh over the top absolutely ridiculous fantastic cast and we had so many people we had people traveling from like hours away to come and see oh it. really yeah we had people oh, from toronto cool. come down you know because i haven't been produced in the area in a while it's a bit of a cult hit. it's kind of almost like the rocky horror of, yeah for, for the generation so we had lots of folks from out of town visiting who'd seen it multiple times who came in costumes full costume which was really fun being out in the lobby for that and we uh and they all of them said we're like this is better than anything i've seen like in detroit or in toronto or anywhere i've seen the show and so that's very you know really gratifying to hear it's nice to hear like i know we're talented but to hear it it makes you feel like all the, the hours and hard work you put into it um, are worth it. yeah right and stress yeah because it does get stressful like learning to tap dance and stuff <laughs> and learn lines people don't realize it's funny because we're like oh and i found I'm, I'm taking a bit of a break from the theater well now they're opening up again although they're doing uh something rotten and it's an amazing play when auditions are coming up for that and i would love to be in that but i want to take a break and enjoy from the audience for a while because it's uh it's a full-time job almost and people don't realize that especially if you're in one of the leading roles yeah you've got 15 around approximately 15 hours of rehearsal a week well Maybe less, maybe like 10 to 12 hours of rehearsal. and But then there's that time at home where yeah. you're learning lines, yeah. running lines, and going over dance steps, and learning songs, and, and things like that. There's so much time away from the rehearsal space that you're putting into it. Yeah. Like, literally having another job. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, awesome. And I, as I said, I was going from play to play to play to play to play, and I kind of felt like I was getting a bit burnt out. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. just, I'm just going to take a step back. I'm going to sit in those brand new theater seats we're putting in, and I'm going to enjoy all my friends up on stage, but on a hell of a show. So I'm excited to see that and what else we got coming down the pipe. So who you knows? I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll be hitting the stage again. Yeah, I can't see you uh, taking that long of a break, but I do think it's good for a person to stop and recognize, hey, it's time for me to take some time off. And, you know what? Who knows? Maybe I'll end up. Maybe this. Maybe this will give me my opportunity to do something backstage. There maybe you go. right yeah. over the, over the for the next season or two. Something a little less time intensive, and you know, unlearn a little different aspect of the craft that I'm less familiar with. So it's interesting to me that you would like to learn all of it because I find all of the the off stage stuff. Yeah so scary and there is a level of commitment and responsibility that i don't think that i'll ever be ready for oh i don't know about that it's it's just not it's not for me so i i think that's admirable and that you would like to learn all of it and i just think that as i said every single person is utterly integral to that and you're saying like you'd be worried about being okay Okay, lights up on this and lights up on that with your headphones on and stuff. You know, you, there, there is a, a, definitely a level of responsibility to me. And I could be wrong because I've never done it. But to me, that could be no different than having to learn a tap step or lyrics to a song. It's just you do it enough during rehearsals and by rote and you learn it. And again, 
you're part of a team and no one will let anyone fail no matter what if someone has forgotten a line or if someone there's always like you're part of a team that will fix on the fly mm-hmm. which is one of those joys of, of live theater right and we've had some fun moments where little things have gone wrong and that's the excitement of performing yeah so i would like to learn i think that some of it would be daunting I'd be for the biggest that exact example of being like off to the side of the stage with, you know, okay, everyone, okay, move set now. I mean, that whole the stage direction from behind the scenes would be a bit daunting. But again, but again, you're sharing headsets with like five or six other people, right? Who are, if you realize that they've maybe you've forgotten a verbal cue for your stage hands or something, someone's going to pick that up and, and do it. But yeah, I can see it being daunting. It just but. seems so much more exacting to me. Say, knowing your lines. I have every confidence that if I forget my line, I'm going to be able to come up with something given the context. And that yeah. the people around me are going to be able to like, ba 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 ba, you know. And play, play off that and get back on track. For exactly. Sure. But when it's, a, but then like to me, if you're, uh, if a prop is missing or a costume is missing or a light is wrong or something like that, it just doesn't seem to me that there's that way room and that's yeah. what gives me the anxiety so i i have the utmost admiration for the people that are yeah. stage. they are heck yeah wholeheartedly agree they amaze me on a regular basis and as um, for you taking on a, a more serious role you have such sincere and genuine eyes i feel like any any role that had some kind of serious take to it you would nail it and i hope that i get to see you do that someday but i could also see how it could get to a person as well at least i know for myself if i were to take on a serious role i'm a pretty sensitive person and me too i've talked to my therapist about it i have a an overabundance of empathy yes yeah. Um, in my life, which I think maybe is really important to be able to on stage, right? Yeah. You inhabit those characters and to feel, to feed off each other and to feed off your audience and everything else. But it can sometimes be a hindrance. So I'm often, and maybe that's, maybe subconsciously, that's why I'm a bit leery of playing mm-hmm. a serious role. Mm-hmm. Uh, a role that involves characters passing away or, you know, someone with cancer or mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Or I'd probably, I don't know, it's, it's hard, it's so hard to say. Like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to challenge myself yeah. doing something like that in the future. And I'm sure, again, your friends on stage are in comedic and serious roles. They're your support, right? I remember going to see uh, 33 Variations we put on. And the cast in that, it was a small cast, and it was astounding. In the play, one of the actors passes away. It was Claire's mom in the play. Claire Ross played the role so, so amazingly. But in that scene where she passed away, I sat in the dark with my hands over my face sobbing and that's the power of theater and that is what it does and that was maybe only a year after my own mom had passed away so it really kind of hit home to be fair i wanted to see guardians of the galaxy like four months after my mom passed away and this the movie opens up with main character's mom passing away and i was just like i'm crying in a people are singing like, what the f is this old guy saying during guardians? they're gonna shoot lasers and there's gonna be spacemen in a minute why is he crying it was a little embarrassing but again that's i'm a big fuck i cry at christmas commercials um, that's, yeah, that's, why I, that's why I got rid of my cable. I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> no, but I do. Like, I'm the biggest softie. I am. I watch clips on Twitter and stuff of like dads and moms getting home from deployment and their kids oh seeing them. I say, they kill you? Yeah. Every time. I yeah. never have a dry eye. I've seen videos of people who haven't seen their parents since COVID hit. Now they finally see their oh, parents. God, yeah. done. Like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm tap me out. Tap me out. <laughs> I, I, go, I, I get up and I go, go grocery shopping. I'm like, oh, stiff breeze. I'm going to cry. You know? <laughs> 
nothing. I can't go shopping now. Yeah, no, I agree. Listen, maybe that should be a really good thing for me, though. If I do a serious role where I have to cry, I'll just think of a Christmas commercial. You always get these actors going, I when I'm really sad, I think about my dog dying. I'll be like, no, I'll just think of that time when that girl got a cell phone from her dad so they could stay in touch. You know what I mean? There you go. I'm done. Right? Yeah, and see. That's so true. No, yeah, I'm a big oh, Yeah. The, the ones that always get me, you talk about like people coming back from being deployed, it's when their dog comes running up to them. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, when it comes to right. animals, like I am a wreck. Anytime there's any kind of sad stuff with, with animals in it. Oh, just wrecked. Yeah. Oh man! Well, thank you for this emotional roller coaster of an interview. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't That's the, the joys of theater. I'll make you laugh. I'll make you cry. Yeah, that's. Your kiss twenty bucks goodbye. <laughs> you know. This is an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm happy to. I'm happy to that. Um. So we we had a little plug for action figures. The band, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, awesome. great. Give them a lift. Is there any anything else you want to bring awareness to or plug? I don't know. I just want everyone to keep plugging on. It's mm-hmm. been a really challenging couple of years for uh, a lot of people, even myself included. And I've always tried to say that in the in the midst of all the the really trying times, you know, surround yourself with good people. And it's always my goal in life. We've seen a lot of stuff online, especially and stuff of people acting out and being unkind and railing against authority and all sorts of things over the last few years i think this difficult time has brought out the worst in a lot of people so i can give any advice both off stage and on stage always try to lift people up no matter the situation you always hear oh you never know what kind of day that person's had i take that to heart when i step on stage because as i said earlier that person could be really struggling and they force themselves they've had the tickets for months they force themselves to go i'll get out of the house right you know i don't feel like if i'm gonna go we're gonna go anyway we've had the tickets let's go for a couple of hours you transport them to somewhere else and you bring a bit of joy into their life but you can do that on a daily basis you can just be kind it's hard to say give someone a big smile because we're all wearing masks right now but i mean the eyes can smile and uh it's not hard to give kind words both online and off and just the more we lift each other up the higher we'll all get you know what i mean and that's just kind of how i try to live my life you try to be a good person you try to you know have thick skin and used to like water off a duck's arse earlier on like you just try to you let, you let it flow off you it's hard sometimes especially being empathic and stuff you get kind of bogged down a bit seeing all the negativity i am almost never on facebook anymore i jump on to change my profile picture every now and then or i'll jump on and share something from the brewery that i work at or a big family brewing company down by the way come visit us there's my plug or i'll like you know Sure, again, an uplifting video or some good news, but there was so much negativity and people hiding online. It's been very difficult, you know, you lose respect for people sometimes. You don't want to, because you know when their their hearts are good people, but it's difficult and everyone handles things differently. But I've always been, like I've said, be kind. I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and uh, and the Doctor, one of his famous quotes from Peter Capaldi's Doctor, it ends with, and above all else, never fail to be kind. And it's really funny. One of my very good friends, who I haven't seen in years, he moved out to Nova Scotia. Hi, Haley. I got this mysterious little thing in the mail. And it was a keychain with a picture of the doctor's time machine, the TARDIS, his blue police box. On the flip side, it was engraved. And it said, never fail to be kind, which is literally quote I live by almost, right? Just be kind, folks. It's yeah, not hard it's to do. It's not hard. It's really not. It's so funny. People say to me all the time, you know everyone. Like, you called me a starting celebrity earlier. And I take that with a grain of salt. Thank you. But I do know everyone. I was in the hospitality business for years and then being on stage. But you know what? You just, I don't know. It's hard to say. You just, you just meet people. And there's an old Irish saying. We'll go back to Ireland before we go here. A stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. And when I'm in the dark with a spotlight on me, on stage with my, my friends, all those people 
sitting in that crowd. They're just friends that I haven't met yet. Thank you. That was lovely. Bring it right back to Ireland. Absolutely perfect. You can take the boy out of Ireland, but you'll never ever take the Ireland out of the boy. And nor should you. Nor should you. And and don't repress that accent, sir. I think it's absolutely lovely. (laughs) I've heard a little little snippet here and there today, and it it just makes my heart so happy. Your arse is like the window. Well, thank you again. Thank you for having me, This is wonderful. I'm so appreciative, and I really, really, really hope that we get to work together again soon. You're yeah, me too. such a warm, kind person. You're just lovely to be around, and, and getting the chance to chat with you again today reminded me of that thank experience. You. So Very kind. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, well, have a good day. Yeah, well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Want to know who will be on the show next week? Keep your eyes on Instagram. See you then.